Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Today in Town Packers podcast. I am back. My name is Griffin. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at All Day Packers. And as always, as usual, as per usual, I'm back with Braun, Mr. Lambo Leapers on Instagram. Braun, how are you after a, a pretty ugly win against the Steelers on Sunday? I'm good. We've got a lot to talk about, including uh, some major injuries and obviously the game that just transpired, uh, as well as our upcoming matchup with the Bengals. Yeah, got lots to talk about. I mean, this game on Sunday was not... I mean, it's so tough because I don't want to be greedy. I was in like a bad mood after the game. Like, why am I in a bad mood? The Packers just won by 10 points. But I don't know, man. The Steelers, man, they're not a good football team. We should have won by... It felt like we could have put 40 up if we really put the foot on the gas. And, you know, Matt LaFleur's motto of all gas, no breaks. Kind of... I don't know when that ever rings true because... um, a lot of mistakes in the fourth quarter on Sunday and the third quarter that just that really just halted us from really blowing the game out of the water. Yeah, not only that, like I I feel like the Steelers left a lot of stuff on the board out there. I, I feel like they played apart from the quarterback play. I thought they let the offense kind of get in rhythm quite a bit, and if they made some of those throws that. Ben just really can't make anymore. I feel like if there was a competent quarterback in there, they would have been able to make some more plays, and I don't know how our defense would have looked. And that's obviously big ifs, and those things didn't happen, so it's just nitpicking at this point. We did win the football game, which is great, and our offense definitely left a lot out there as well. So I feel like both offenses just left a lot out there, and and whether that was you know had to do with the defensive play or like we talked about with Ben, like I don't know what it is exactly, but it's you know something just wasn't right about that game. The only thing that felt right was was Randall Cobb's ability to kind of connect with Rodgers and, and those two kind of getting back to their roots and, and playing well like 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 Randall never left. And, and that was really the only thing that stood out to me as, as something to really look at and be glad about, because with the injuries that we're going to start discussing here in a second, uh, you know, it's hard to feel great coming out of that game. And it, even though we won and it's just if we if we were to lose jaw. And then, then obviously with Z being out for a long, you know, extended period of time, as Matt LaFleur has continued to reiterate, and you look at the injuries we've got on this football team and it's pro bowlers, it's some of our captains. I mean, these guys are serious, serious players for us. So we have to hope that these guys can come back sooner rather than later. Yeah, when you look at just the injuries at this point, you've got Elton Jenkins, the names pile up, David Bakhtiari, Zadaria Smith, J- Jair Alexander now. It's like this is... We had such a good football team last year. We re-signed everybody. Let's run it back. But now it's kind of early on in the season, at least. It seems like it's kind of falling apart. But that does leave some hope on the table because you you think, like, maybe if we can just squeak out of some of these games mid-season and early season, late in the season, when we start to get healthy, these guys come back, we can really start to put together a run. And obviously, football matters the most in December and January. But, um, yeah, you're right. Coming out of that game, just, just an ugly taste in my mouth. A lot of things like the injuries. Jair, obviously, such a great play too. That's like a jump, jump up on your feet kind of play, and then he's he's down. It looks like a collarbone. That's that was my first thought. I thought of Rogers twenty seventeen, um, but you know other things like the Aaron Jones fumble, the when Cobb tipped that pass for Adams. Like, oh, geez, Rogers missing routine throws. It was just. Not the prettiest of performances. It felt a lot more like a 2019 performance than a 2020 performance, you know? Yeah, I agree. And that that kind of felt like there was so much, just like in 2019, it felt like we left a lot of stuff out there. And 
Uh, you know, with with the injuries and everything, I feel like if this team is able to get healthy, like once we have David on the left, Elton back at, at right tackle, hopefully, then we kick Turner inside. Like those things I think will help the offense. You know, once we get all our guys, like once MVS is back in the mix, we'll have Lazard obviously still there. Uh, Cobb, Devante, we got the two running backs playing well. So I feel like the offense definitely will kind of find its groove and hit its stride uh, as we approach the middle of the season and beyond. Uh, But the defense, I mean, you know, the only true improvement that we've had uh, is from the fact that Eric Stokes has been inserted into the secondary as a, a guy who's making plays at cornerback. And then, of course, the main, main improvement on this football team being Devondre Campbell just being an absolute force in the middle of the field for Green Bay, really keeping it closed off, especially when it's designed to, you know, when we when we have a cover two situation, he's really, you know, when, when the middle field's going to be open, he does a good job to kind of keep it closed on his own, it, it, just doing a great job in coverage and everything uh, that he's doing in the run game as well. So those are the improvements that we've had, but it's going to be hard to have those compensate for losses of Jair and, and Z. And any of other guys that, you know, like Preston, we mentioned, he, he went down for a bit. Darnell went down for a few plays. Those guys, who knows if there's a, there's a, their injuries are going to linger. Uh, so there's definitely concerns on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, it's not uh, it's not cut and dry that this team is going to continue to improve or continue to play well on defense with those guys being out. We know how valuable they are. Yeah, the defensive side of the ball, I mean, it's already not the strongest part of the team, obviously, and – Losing a guy like Jair Alexander, that just exemplifies that because it feels like it, that that feels like the 2016 the part of this defense where we're gonna ha- pretty quickly we're pretty bare bones on the back end and we've got Isaac Yayadam. How do you say his name? I'm not really sure, but he looks like he's gonna be a starting cornerback if Kevin King can't make it back by next Sunday, which who knows about that. But either way, Kevin King or Isaac. I'm just gonna call him Isaac. Uh, I don't I don't feel super comfortable with either of them starting. But um, you know, just to just to talk about the offense here from this game, Braun, I feel like this week and then last week against the 49ers, it's just a lot of our offense is you know predicated around the fact that we've we're missing starters on the offensive line and trying to get the ball out quickly with simple concepts. But I feel like, you know, once we get David back, Elton's back, hopefully, we're going to be able to run more of, of what we saw in 2020 because it still feels like, you know, we're seeing we're seeing sprinkles of the 2020 offense. We're seeing sprinkles of Matt LaFleur getting creative and the zone running scheme and the passing game off of that. But a lot of it, a lot of the passing game just looks like five wide. Aaron's going to pick the defense apart, get the ball out, which, you know, is fine. And when games, sometimes it works and in games that it works, it looks really pretty. But, you know, in games like Sunday, it kind of, it can kind of look ugly at times against a pretty good defense. But, you know, Rodgers didn't have the cleanest of games. He was off on just, just a lot of throws that we're used to seeing him make, you know, like they're not the easiest of layups, but they're throws that we're used to seeing Aaron Rodgers makes. They're just vintage Rodgers throws that he was trying and just couldn't couldn't complete. And we've seen that a lot this year. Yeah, I mean, for starters, you look at the Steelers' defense, and I feel like there's a lot of talented players there, uh, especially up front. And I, I feel like he is a little bit unsettled back there at times, and just because of the fact that he just has to micromanage a little bit what's going on up front at times, I feel like. Uh, just with the chipping that has to be done by Aaron Jones or Robert Tunyon, whoever's back there. And, and of course, with, with Yash, 
uh, on the left, and and these other rookies, Royce Newman, obviously in there, Runyon his second year, just and of course Myers in the center center spot. Just a lot has to be micromanaged by Aaron, and he's got a lot on his plate because not only is he uh, going up to the line and just examining the defense, he's he's also making sure that they're in the right protection. He's adjusting protection just as much as Josh Myers is as as the center. Uh, Rogers just has a lot on his plate right now, and he's doing more than he's doing more than he's even doing in terms of within the play. All that stuff is happening pre-snap is even more work than he's doing uh, during the play. So I think that has something to do with it. Once David's in there, like you mentioned, and Elton's back, and then Bill's in there, and it's a little more the veteran presence, the uh, experience playing with him and on this offensive line, I feel like some of that will be a a little bit more of a signal for Rodgers to kind of let it loose and, and do his thing and have less to worry about before the play starts. To me, that's part of why Rodgers has struggled at times making some of those more routine throws because he's rushing things a little bit or whatever the case may be. Right, and playing five wide, empty backfield, like 2011 Green Bay offense, it's it's a lot more demanding pre-snap on the quarterback. He's got to you know straight up read the defense, go first read, second read, third read, check down, all of that. Whereas last year, you know, the prime Matt LaFleur offense is more, you know, easy layup, scheming things open, the bootleg off of the play action, you know, giving him things that he really doesn't have to think about. He's just got to make the throw. And you're right about the offensive line too. Like we saw that unblocked pressure, the unblocked sack in the first, I think it was the the first possession, which led us to punt. Um, I don't know who that was on, but uh, we forget that we don't have Corey Lindsley this year. That's something that the veteran Corey Lindsley, best center in football, he's, that's pretty much on his plate. But Aaron, it's, Aaron and a bunch of kids now. He's really Mr. Rogers, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, because he's got to he's got to micromanage every single pass protection concept, and uh, he's just got to read the defense on every single play. So there is a lot on his plate, but still, you know, we're used to seeing him make throws that he just he's been off on this year. And and not only that, like you mentioned, but I also think that you look at some of the some of the uh, different blitz packages and disguises that teams like with great defenses like Pittsburgh and great head coaches like Mike Tomlin, they're throwing a lot at Rodgers and especially stuff that he can't diagnose particularly before the snap, apart from when he's able to kind of hit a hard count and, and get them to show themselves a little bit. And by that time, there's about five seconds on the play clock, if that. So it's just a lot on him. And, and he's just, I feel like, you know, I'm not trying to make excuses for him or anything because we do expect him to, to play better than he has, even though he's still playing well. You know, this is certainly nothing like uh, to worry about, I would say. We could we could certainly win the Super Bowl with him playing at this level. He's not playing at last year's level in terms of making every throw, but he's certainly still, you know, commanding the offense and doing everything we expect him to do at quarterback for the Packers. So um, I'm not I'm not concerned yet. I, I definitely want to see him with, with the full repertoire uh, of not only pass catchers, but also the offensive line, most importantly, available uh, at his disposal where they can kind of let the offense go to work and kind of find its stride, like I was mentioning earlier. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, I'm a broken record on here every single week, but that two-and-a-half-second mark that we love to see, uh, time to throw, his overall time to throw was at 2.52 this week, but even when he was under two-and-a-half, he, he was not great. He had a 76.3 rating and completed just 54.5% of his passes, so it was just one of those one of those weird games where we're playing a pretty good defense, and just a lot of the times guys were just not open, leading him to hang on to the ball, but um, 
even his raw completion percentage was like 55, something like that. That's weird to see from Rodgers. He's always a guy who wants to keep that in the upper 60s if he if he can help it. You know, he's <laughs> I feel like he cares a lot more about his stats than than uh, some quarterbacks in the league for better or for worse. But it's it's very strange to see a completion percentage like that from Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, he knows he missed some throws yesterday, like, and he mentioned it too. Like, he kind of he feels like he left some plays out there, um, and he's done that m- multiple games this season already. But like I said, I feel like if if our only concern is just how Rodgers is missing a few throws per game, like I feel like we'll be okay, especially as we get healthy and things like that. So to me, when you look at this offense, there were some bright spots yesterday, uh, some guys stepping up and playing well, and I feel like one of those guys was AJ Dillon. Uh, Aaron Jones played pretty well up until that fumble that he had, which he's actually fumbled two weeks in a row now. Last week was he fumbled out of bounds, luckily, but this week uh, we did we lost a fumble there on that. When I, I was it the first drive in the third quarter, Griff? Uh, I'm not sure. I know it was in the third quarter at some right. point. I th- it yeah. was right after we made that fourth down stop, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, where we felt yeah. like we had a chance to get right back in it there and and yeah. kind of double up in that opportunity, but. Then Aaron Jones fumble kind of derailed that. That's one of the spots where we were driving down, looking really good, and, and felt like we could add to the po- to the point total. Um, and one of the reasons why we ended up staying at twenty seven for quite a while. Uh, to me, you know, AJ Dillon came in and he's just so hard to tackle. Guys just want to dive at his legs because they know they can't bring him down or don't want to even try. Uh, he's such a big body in there. He's he's obviously. Uh, you know, he's super fast for his size and, and he brings a lot to the table, especially, you know, running downhill through the tackles. Uh, and, and he obviously showed some things in the passing game with a few nice catches as well. Uh, so I feel like he came out and really had his first really solid game of the year. And that's going to be important moving forward uh, to have go- both of those guys playing well to spell each other and to kind of ride the hot hand, do whatever works, uh, whatever fits the game plan, those kind of things where whether we need a guy running downhill or we need a guy playing like lightning like Aaron Jones does we've got both of those options and when both of the both of those guys are playing well that's when the Packers offense will be playing at its best absolutely and Aaron Aaron Jones obviously he had a pretty solid game as well but AJ Dillon he's that guy you just won in the fourth quarter to just run out the clock and late in the game it was like I don't I don't know why they didn't just run him more because the passing game I don't know what it was, but it was just not working. They were taking away Devontae. Cobb was, you know, he was open sometimes, but not consistently enough to pass on every single down. I, I would have liked to see more A.J. Dillon late in the fourth, honestly. Yeah, they certainly got away from the running game a lot. Like you mentioned, in, in the fourth quarter and even in some of the third quarter drives, they just they wanted to, like we've talked about a lot on this podcast, Griff, they're always looking for that home run ball or, the, or that, that one that kind of sends them home and gives them, the, gives them the win at some point in the third quarter. Usually coming out of the half, they want to seal the game right then and there. But, and they go out and try to throw it, throw it around the yard, and, and then they can't do it, and then it stays a close game up until the end because they're not able to really execute those, those drives where they're trying to just put the team away. What they really need to do is kind of just use their running game to not only drown out the clock, dominate time of possession, but that's what they're going to have the most success with against these teams uh, when they have a big lead like they did against the Steelers. So you look at that. And you kind of talk about how the passing game kind of unfolded. It was a lot of stuff where the Steelers were kind of two matching Devontae, and it was that same too high stuff where it's, I mean, it's basic defense, but it's just like they executed it, and it's just the other guys got to be able to get involved and and step up 
when they're trying to take Devontae Adams away. And it's it's a smart thing that defenses do. Very rarely do, do teams nowadays play Devontae in, in any kind of one high look or, or anything where he's not getting double double teamed. It's a lot of it's just a lot of middle field open stuff where if they're going to hit you, it's going to be something short. Devontae does not very much often uh, get into single coverage or, or even off coverage at all. Uh, but when they did, they threw it to him and, and he had success at times. He did still catch the ball six times for 64 yards. But, you know, Randall Cobb stepped up and he had a big game. We talked about it, the two touchdowns he had. Aaron Jones caught balls out of the backfield and made plays. Alan Lazard had his fair share as well. Uh, we still need to find a way to get Robert Tunyon involved because he's been due. I feel like he's he's getting a lot of roughing the pa- uh, excuse me he's getting a lot of pass interference calls on him. He's in position to make plays. I feel like he's going to get involved sooner rather than later. Uh, but in terms of the passing game, it starts with the protection. Uh, they've got to do a better job, even though they're doing well enough. You know, against some good good defensive players like T.J. Watt uh, and, and others that they've faced in these past few weeks, where they've been able to kind of execute and play well. Uh, and keep the offense afloat, they have to now get in a position where they can be comfortable enough where Rodgers feels like he has the time to get the ball out in rhythm and get it to his guys. And hopefully Devontae gets a little more action down the field as well. After the year he had last year, no team coming into this season is going to do the <laughs> do some of the stupid crap they were doing last year against Devontae because he was one-on-one way too often last year. That's when he had those monster games like, 185 versus Houston, you know, three touchdowns against, uh, I think that was Houston as well. He, he dominated Houston. Uh, but a lot of the times last year, he that's why he put together such a such a great season on the stat sheet because teams just, they just didn't treat him as, a, as the best receiver in football. But he's getting that treatment this year. And obviously, we all know that if he, if he has a good look pre-snap, Rodgers is going to throw to him. So I don't think it's an issue of making sure he gets his touches. But uh, it, I, the, the bigger the bigger matter is just finding someone who can be a dominant factor when Devontae is being taken away. And this game, strangely enough, it was Randall Cobb. Obviously, MVS was put on IR before this game, and uh, Randall Cobb made me think it was 2014. I'm not even kidding, man. He he, he I, he's moving better than he did in 2018. I feel like I've whenever I think of Cobb's last year in Green Bay, I think about the Week One 2018 when he against the Bears, Rogers comeback game when he ran it home and he was he just looked so slow. Like he was hardly outrunning Khalil Mack. Obviously, Mack's a freak, but um, he just looked he just looked like an old version of himself. But I don't know, man. He found the fountain of youth because this game he was looking like a like a young fella. Well, he was dealing with injuries that year, definitely. Uh, that well, that that 2018 play, I felt like, yeah, he was he was just being patient, not slow. I feel like he's always had that speed, you know. I he's he's just a pure slot receiver, and he looked so good uh, on that Sunday matchup with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and and everything that we've missed, where you feel like we could have just used a slot receiver to be able to run those routes in the middle of the field, those intermediate routes that that Green Bay just hasn't had. It's either been like with Devonte. He can do it all, and we know that. But everybody else, is, it's, it's MVS running deep, and then these other guys just aren't able to execute in the middle of the field. So we've, we've got a guy now in Randall Cobb who's, who's able to do that at a high level, and we saw it on third down. He had four conversions. Uh, he had the five catches for 69 yards and those two touchdowns. It just felt like he was right at home in there, uh, right back to what he was doing when he was in Green Bay, and, and he made it look like there was never a reason we should have cut him in the first place or let him walk, uh, let him walk in free agency. Um, great to have him back. I, he's so valuable to this team, and, and he's going to continue to show that moving forward. I definitely feel like uh, he, he's going to be one of those guys that Rodgers relies on and trusts. Uh, 
Uh, and to me, that's as valuable as anything in this offense. So uh, super important to have him with Devontae as guys that, that Rodgers really can rely on. And to me, he kind of showed that on Sunday, and hopefully he continues to do that moving forward. Yeah, great player, even better person. I mean, <laughs> when he scores, man, it just makes your heart happy. The whole crowd erupts. whole team is so excited for him. Aaron runs up to him, gives him a big hug. He's so excited. Just It just makes my heart smile. I love Randall Cobb. And he is like, we've talked ad nauseum for three years almost about how this offense doesn't have a slot receiver and how much it would benefit from having one. This is literally the first slot receiver, pure slot receiver that this offense has seen because we've tried the Geronimo Allisons. We've tried the MVSs. Obviously, Devontae is great from anywhere, but he's, you know, he's at his best outside. But Randall Cobb, obviously a pure slot receiver. And uh, it's Rogers talked about it after the game that it's just it's just different having a pure slot receiver in there who knows what to do over the middle, who's quick enough of an outlet that Rogers can dump it off and trust him to be there. It's different from a tight end. A tight end's kind of a bigger target, slower. He can't just he can't just shake free from a linebacker at will. But Randall Cobb, obviously over the middle, if he's got a linebacker on him and Aaron uh, breaks the pocket, he can trust Cobby to to run the other way and get free from the linebacker. And uh, it's kind of what we saw in his, in his first touchdown on Sunday. So I think having a guy like Randall Cobb in the slot, I don't know how that's going to work when MVS gets back because Cobb saw his most playing time today or yesterday, excuse me. So I don't know how that's going to work, but for now I it's, it's definitely nice having Cobb in there when, especially like when you think about, in the past when we've had when we've had injuries at the receiver position we've had guys like Malik Taylor come in if you want to go back far enough you can go to Jeff Janis and Trevor Davis and Geronimo Allison it's every time we have receiver injuries it's like oh boy here comes in a guy who's we're gonna have to rely on Darius Shepard who Rodgers is not familiar with but now this year thanks to GM Rodgers MVS goes on IR guess what Randall Cobb has to step up that's a much better position to be in yeah, I haven't felt this good about the Packers receiving core in a long time, and it's like you miss almost like the constant looking at what receiver we can add, whether it's like in free agency, in the trade, or a draft. Like it's <laughs> that's like our favorite mi- pastime, Bron. Yes, it's it's like what receiver can we add to this team to help Aaron Rodgers? Like I feel like this is the first time in a really really long time where it's like. We actually don't need a receiver. Even when like even when MVS gets hurt, it's like we still have Alan Lazard, we still have Randall Cobb, we still have even even guys like Malik Taylor and EQ. Like those guys have experience playing with Aaron Rodgers. It's it's not the same anymore where it's a bunch of guys who haven't played with him and, and aren't very good or have the dropsies. Like it's a bunch of guys who have played with Aaron and have a lot of success uh, and have experience. So it's it's just a lot better to have this kind of receiving core for Aaron that he can rely on, especially in a year where we're trying to go and win the Super Bowl, uh, obviously. So um, I, to me, the offense, we've talked a lot about it already, but just I'm just pretty happy with with what we've got. And, and I feel like even though this wasn't the most uh, you know exciting or the cleanest version of the offense that we saw against the Steelers, we do have to give the Steelers credit for being, you know, they're consistently one of the most physical defenses. Uh, they're consistently one of the best defenses in the NFL. And we played well enough to score 27 and then have a lot left on the table for more. Uh, So I feel like, you know, there are things to be excited about moving forward. And as we get healthier, I think this team will kind of prove to be really, really tough to stop on offense, especially against some of these other teams that don't have as good of defenses as the Pittsburgh Steelers do. Right. And the Steelers, 
coming out of last year, they had such a terrific defense, and they they beat Buffalo week one. Buffalo now looks like one of the best teams in the league. So it's it's not like we were just expected to come in and score forty, even though that's what I predicted last week. <laughs> but yeah, twenty seven. It's just the most frustrating thing is that it could have been more. Not that. If you told me before the game that they're going to score 27 points, I'd be like, oh, okay, okay. That's that's not too far off from what I would expect, you know. But um, it's just the opportunities that they had and kind of squandered late in the game. Uh, real quick, Randall Cobb, did you know this from? He had a he had a 90.5 PFF grade on Sunday, which was a career high. The illustrious career of Randall Cobb, his best game of all time, according to PFF, was this Sunday against the Steelers. Uh, well, to quote Matt Lafleur, I don't care what PFF has to say. No, I'm kidding. I like PFF. I like PFF. No, I'm just joking. But yeah, no, that is really cool because uh, it's great to see him playing this well. And, and everybody was saying he's done and he's this and he's that. Even when we were get, even when we traded for him, and you know Brian Gutekunst was thinking this as well. Like when when we moved on from Randall Cobb, I don't think many people had faith that he would be a good player ever again. Even though, you know, I always, I never wanted him to leave. I had heard that he never wanted to leave. I heard that he wanted to come back. And this was, you know, this was in 2019 I was hearing this. And, and I heard it again last year. And then I heard it again um, from from somebody I know right prior to the situation happening. And he came back and now he's here and he's playing well. And it's just like, this is what I feel like I had faith in this the whole time. And it's just so great to see it kind of come to fruition and, and to, for him to be back is surreal. I mean, it's just, a, it's an incredible uh, sight to see him back in the green and gold and scoring touchdowns, doing Lambo leaps. It's just, it's really incredible. So to have him back super special and to have him playing this well is just a boon to it all. It is. And like I said, couldn't be happier for the man, Randall Cobb. It just seems like, he just seems like the nicest guy in the world. I'm serious. And I I don't know, man. I think you found the, I think you found something that Tom Brady avocado ice cream because he got a little shake and bake to him. He looks younger. He's healthy. He fresh That's legs. The thing. He's healthy. He's healthy. Yep. And he follows me on Instagram as, <laughs> as you know. That's – that's the main thing that's doing it. Do you it. think that has anything to do with his rejuvenation? I do, because he didn't follow you in 2018, correct? He, no, he did not. See, this and is, now this is how him. I found out he was getting traded. I, I found out right. when I looked at his, who he was following on Instagram, and it was myself and the Green Bay Packers were his two most recent follows. So, wow. Uh, that was pretty cool. But yeah. That's, Schefter should have reported that. Well, I did. So <laughs> Schefter can go make up lies about Aaron Rodgers. Ah, uh, yeah. We still anti-Schefter on this pod? Always and forever, baby. Yeah. Uh, how about Ian Rappaport? Remember when he uh, reported that AB was a bill? Remember that? I night, do bro? remember that, but the, uh, he was pretty <laughs> accurate on the whole Rodgers thing. That was that was weird. I remember that, but you're right, he's you're been right. accurate on Rodgers. I don't, I, you know, really in reality, I don't trust any of them because they aren't, they, none of them are, especially the national ones, they don't have the, the inside information regarding like the local Green Bay area and the knowledge of what goes on with inside that building, like even maybe you and I do, they don't even have that. They just kind of report on a national level and guys just tell them different things because they're, they're kind of pawns of the NFL and the teams really to get things out into the media. So that's really what it is. That AB night though, that was like a different world we were living in, buddy. That was like, it was, it was 2019. And now he's on, (laughs) we wanted, we wanted him so bad. We did. Imagine we told, 
Imagine we told our March 2019 self that in 2021 he would be playing in Tampa with Tom Brady. Wow. Well, Things change man, we quickly go in the NFL. Him. We have to go beat yeah. that team, man. We we got to get back to the championship again and, and have a have a chance to go beat that team, the All Star team over there. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what we got to do. We got to go full LeBron, twenty sixteen. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about All the right. defense, Griff, because we played well. All right. We played defense, well for yeah. different points. We played well on different points on defense uh, against the Steelers. I feel like Big Ben kind of made us look a little bit better than we were, but. You look at the the way that guys like I feel like Eric Stokes had a pretty decent game, but there was also times where he was getting beat. You know, Devondre Campbell looked really good. He he seems like almost the nucleus of this defense, and not just because he's in the middle. I, you know, he he really is exactly what we were looking for at that middle linebacker spot. He's he's been so great. Like I mentioned in closing off those middle of the field spots when we're playing cover two and it should be open. You know, he's he's closing it off himself, and he's doing a great job of that covering whether it's Najee Harris he did a great job against you know even guys like Deontay Johnson he did he broke up a pass on him I mean he's he's done a phenomenal job in there so I'm I'm excited to see what he can do moving forward as he continues to get better he's he's one of the highest graded linebackers in PFF this year so far he's playing really well better than he's ever played I mean he's he just fits so well in this defense and and uh you know, the, the former middle linebacker coach, Joe Barry, has, has kind of found himself a guy that he's molded into uh, the true star of this defense right now, and, and he's played really well. He really, he's been fantastic, seriously, and it's gotten to the point where on every snap, I kind of watch him. I kind of see what he's doing, because he's the mic most of the time. He's he, he broke up a pass against Juju, against Deontay Johnson. He, he'll allow a catch or two, but he's right there to make the tackle. He only has two missed tackles this year. Which is insane. I actually the whole team kind of they've been tackling really well this year. Obviously That's being one of the a Packers that, fan. Right. Underrated aspect of this defense is that they're tackling much better, even though it's yeah. a lot of the same guys. I, I definitely when you're talking about Devondre, he's made so many tackles. He's he's in the top ten in tackles in the league, but like you said, he's missed two. Uh, he's making a lot of tackles. He's doing a great job at that. So uh what he's doing in the middle, it's really good work for sure. Right, and he's he's allowing five point one yards per per reception, which leads the NFL. the The next lowest number, Bron, is six point nine. That's that's pretty bonkers, right there. So Campbell, like we said a couple weeks ago, he's going to allow a catch or two, but he's going to be right there to make the stop and make sure you don't get any further than where he is on the field. He's allowing a sixty seven point one passer rating, which is sixth in the NFL. He's playing linebacker like I haven't seen in a very long time, and. That's nice because it's been such a gaping hole in the middle of the field for so long. Obviously, Blake Martinez, we've tried him. We've tried Antonio Morrison. We've tried Ty Summers, Oren Burks. All these guys have been thrown in there. And it's like some some of them are good. Some of them are worse than others. But none of them have been able to just solidify the position like Devondre has through four games. His work in man coverage as the thief oftentimes has really been uh, something that I – we haven't seen, like you mentioned, like we just haven't seen this kind of middle linebacker play on this roster because they haven't invested anything crucial into the position. Uh, really, since Blake Martinez, A.J. Hawk really is the last guy they spend a good pick on. Oren Burks is still there. They spent a third-round pick on him. But they had Blake, who was, you know, he was very good at times, but then some of the stuff where he, if he was missing tackles or he was just getting exposed in coverage, you know, that was a real issue, and, and that limited us on defense a lot of the time. And then they had Chris Barnes last year, and he was fine. And and they've got they've had other guys. Christian Kirksey was fine later in the year. He got better. Kirksey, but he just, I know, forgot about Kirksey. 
Yeah, he we cut him wow. and he was yeah. he was okay, but Kamal he was getting Martin. paid a lot. Kamal Martin just got cut and we just picked him last year. I mean, to have a guy with a little bit of not only experience, but he just like he's been such a just a calming presence to have a guy who's gonna be there and he's just a consistent success story. Like he's just been great every game. And it's so bizarre because people were just writing him off after like the first few snaps of the first game. Like I thought he was one of the bright spots in week one. And you know, these guys in the media are saying he's bad and he's playing bad. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Peter Bukowski. I'm talking about him. I'm talking about other guys. <laughs> there was multiple guys who were just like, "Oh, he's been playing terrible." Or and I'm just that like, tweet was insanity, dude. That I was insane. I was like, "Are we watching the same game?" Like, I know. Oh, like, what are you watching? What like, are you watching? He, he was playing excellent ball, and I think more people are start, like, "It's hard to it's hard to think he's playing bad when he's just consistently making plays all over the field, everywhere. He he's just." He's everywhere where a play is being made. He's involved, and that's all you can ask from a middle linebacker. And so I feel like hopefully now he's starting to get the credit that I feel like you and I both saw right away that he's a really good football player in this in this defense. Uh, he's getting that credit now, and, and I, I look forward to what he can do as we move forward uh, as he not only grows within the defense but continues to ascend as a player himself. Right, and he's obviously middle linebacker is not a position that Brian Gutekunst is really valued. That's a whole different conversation. And even Campbell, it's a one-year, $2 million deal he's on. This was a, another shot in the dark, one of many that Gutekunst has made over the past half decade. And with enough attempts, eventually one of these guys is going to be a, actually a good player, and that's what Campbell is. All right, before we move on, we got to tell you a little bit about our friends over at Fanlocks. The company is back, producing the novelty dreadcaps for the Packers, for the Badgers, for pretty much any team's colors that you can think of. So we just want to show our support for a local company, which is becoming a national brand and who still supports those fans and is trying to do some good for people. They still donate to fans who are losing their hair in chemotherapy treatment. In fact, they have a campaign right now in which you buy one and they will give one to a patient at hospitals that they work with. So check it out, fanlocks.com. Follow their Facebook, follow their Instagram, and show your support for not only the Packers, but a local small business who's doing good things off the field as well. And when you order, make sure to tell them that today in Town sent you. All right, Griff, I kind of want to talk about this secondary a little bit because they played pretty well on Sunday, but also at times there was some open passes that just Big Ben could not hit, big plays. Jair, I don't, he just hasn't been like that elite shutdown guy this year. And now that he's hurt, I mean, I don't know what the extent of his injury is going to be. And if he's out for the year, I mean, I don't know what we're going to do. It's going to be really tough to win the Super Bowl without really. Last year, he was our best player on defense, and, and he was the best cornerback in football. And if he's not going to be there for us this year, I mean, that is the toughest blow you could think of, apart from losing Aaron Rodgers for the full year. I, I if Honestly, I, I really do feel like that is going to be a major, major issue. Hopefully he's going to be back. It's some kind of AC joint sprain or something along those lines. That's probably, I'm hoping it's like four to six weeks. As long as we can get him back down the stretch where just like when we're going to get David back and all these guys kind of back in the fold, Z hopefully too, like I'm hoping that we can get him back. But if not, it's going to be really tough 
for the secondary to compensate for that kind of loss. Jair, he is he is the glue in the secondary that just makes everything work. He shuts down an entire half of the field. He makes quarterbacks just look to the other side of the field on pretty much every single play. And you're right, he hasn't been that 2020 level, just like Aaron Rodgers hasn't, just like Devontae Adams hasn't, stat-wise. But, you know, regression is a real thing, and he's still that elite shutdown player. Just he hasn't he hasn't looked like it through four games, maybe. But still, I mean, he allowed that first touchdown 45 yards, literally by maybe half an inch. It went by his fingertips. Could have been a push off. I don't really think so. But, you know, maybe maybe they could they could have called that. But other than that, other than that touchdown on the first on the first um, reception that he allowed, he went he was targeted four times. He allowed two receptions for one yard. And like I said earlier, that that play where he injured himself on, that was like that's a such a prime Jair play. That's he makes that play all the time. You throw in the flat on his side of the field, he's blown that thing up for no more than zero yards. And uh, he did it on that play on fourth down, nonetheless. Um, so he's obviously a player you can't speak you can't speak enough about. He's that dude in the in the Packers backfield. And losing him is a tremendous blow to this defense. And when we're looking at Kevin King being a actual like number two corner for us now, not just eh, he doesn't look like he has it. Maybe we should bench him. Maybe we should keep playing him. Like we have no choice now. When he gets healthy, Kevin King is gonna have to play. And uh, Isaac, ish, uh, he got some playing time on Sunday, and it did not it did not look pretty against Big Ben Roethlisberger, who can't throw it. Who can't throw it five yards? So I don't. I don't know. It's not looking pretty. I mean, we're gonna have to definitely figure something out there. I think KB and Ento is probably when you talk about a guy who's next man up. I don't think they're gonna go out and look for anybody unless Jair is really out long term. Like I don't know. It, like let's say Jair is out for like most, if not the rest of the regular season. Maybe he comes back in the playoffs. Maybe he doesn't. Right. And this is probably that's the worst case scenario, and that's probably you know what we're going to have to fear for. Um, even though maybe he'll be back, but you know, if we're talking about what moving forward, how you prepare, you got to prepare for the worst. So, uh, and Enta will be up from the practice squad, and he he's played good on the practice squad at times, but there's a reason he's not on the active roster. Uh, Ike Yidem, uh, you know, he was from the Giants. We traded Josh Jackson for him. Uh, you know, I don't know. He's not very good. He's a special teamer, if anything. He's he's not very good. Um, he was batting coverage uh, on Sunday. Shamar Jean Charles is going to be the guy who, if if we're going to expect anything from, he was picked this year in the draft, obviously, so there is hope that he could potentially show some flashes. He played okay when he was in there. Um, he was in there for about, I think, four snaps maybe. He did not play much, but he didn't, you know, do anything egregious. So, uh Guys are going to have to step up. I don't know who they would try and go and target. For a team that's trying to win the Super Bowl, you'd think that if Jair was to be out for the whole year, they would go and look at potentially once Stephon Gilmore gets off of the PUP list, I feel like that would be a guy that they could potentially go and target. He's on a cheap one-year deal right now. He's got one year left on his deal, and it's I think it's about $7 million that he would be getting paid. To me, that's the kind of move you make, something that they wouldn't have to worry about paying long-term, but could could kind of keep them afloat uh, for their Super Bowl chances in a big year. So, you know, that, if, if, it, if it gets to that point, that was something that I always thought could be an option. But really, you have to think about the guys that they have because that's probably who they're sticking with. And, and Kevin King has not been good, but he's going to probably be starting 
moving forward if it's not Jair. So if it, you know, Kevin King and Stokes, Stokes has to step up and grow up quick. I mean, he's, he's been good, but he can't, you know, we're, they're going to have to see him progress a lot sooner than they hoped. He's going to have to kind of grow up fast in this league. He'll be starting week to week from moving forward. I think he's going to be the starter anyway, probably like on a consistent daily basis now, but with no Jair, he could be the number one guy like on the, in that secondary at the cornerback spot. So He's going to have to grow up quick, and, and all these guys are because we need them to step up big time. Yeah, Stokes is the guy that we've just been assuming is going to be like, you know, solid at his spot. But all of a sudden now, we got a rookie playing his fifth game this weekend as our number one corner. He is our number one corner. I mean, he's better than, than anyone else we have on the depth chart other than Jair. And he's he is going to have to grow up fast because Roethlisberger, he abused him on Sunday not maybe not totally on the stat sheet but he targeted him 15 times which was insane it was like every play he was just going to target him he looked a little hesitant he looked he was playing off coverage pretty much every single snap and Roethlisberger was quick to just throw it underneath um he's gonna he's gonna have to really mature and be able to get up in someone's face and cover him deep because we're gonna need that we're gonna need him covering this week we're gonna need gonna need him covering Jamar Chase you know we're gonna need him covering Allen Robinson without Jair so he's gonna have to grow up fast otherwise things could get pretty ugly this defense is already banged up and we saw what happened to guys like Preston and Darnell Uh, you know we have to hope that these injuries don't start to catch up here because uh we don't have a ton of depth in in a lot of these spots like where I think at the outside linebacker spot, if they were to lose Preston or, or RG there, if they were to lose one of those guys, I mean, we can't have Jonathan Garvin rushing the passer on key third downs. Like, it's just he's not good enough. Like, we this team is not going to be able to generate any pressure if we were to lose Preston or RG after already losing Zedarius. It's just not going to happen. So, I mean, wow. Like, I, I don't know. this. We have to add depth somehow. I don't know what we're going to do because if, without Z – and if we were to lose one of those guys, we're in trouble. Same thing with the secondary now. It's like if Jair is out, then we're in trouble because we've got not not good depth at those spots and a lot of inexperience and a lot of youth. Um, and that goes for pretty much every position on defense. Same thing if we were to lose Campbell, it's Chris Barnes when he gets back and then Ty Summers and Oren Burks. It's, it's just a lot of like not good football players that are going to have to step in and try to replicate really good football players who are playing at a high level when before they got hurt. It's just concerning. Right, and then the secondary won't be as big of an issue if the, if the pass rush can play how they played on Sunday, at least interior-wise. Couldn't get a lot going on the edge. But uh, the interior, Kenny Clark, Kingsley Kiki, uh, Bruchon Gary, they were moving him around like Zadarius used to in Mike Patton's system. Uh, they were consistently getting in the backfield. They were consistently getting movement on the line of scrimmage in both the pass game and the run game. Kingsley Kiki, actually, all season, he's been like, oh, what's wrong with Kingsley Kiki? He's the lowest-graded player on the team. On Sunday, he had a 91.3 PFF grade, the highest grade anyone's had on defense all season long. Don't know where that came from, but he was balling on Sunday. Obviously had that forced fumble on Roethlisberger. We're going to need him to step up because Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, these guys next to Clark just aren't doing it. We need someone to come out of nowhere and and make some plays like Kiki did on Sunday. Yeah, in terms of the D-line, obviously Kenny Clark has been a menace this year. I feel like he's getting back to what he always we knew he was capable of. His disruption has been really solid. Uh, you just look in that interior. Tyler Lancaster couldn't go this week. 
but it allowed Kingsley Kiki to really have some significant playing time, and he really did well with it. We saw the forced fumble. He looked really great on that rep, and he had some big pass rushing reps that I felt like were really strong, and he made plays throughout the whole night. And that was like, you know, it was one of those situations where he was playing pretty bad the first few weeks, and now, like you mentioned, kind of out of nowhere, he just erupts for the game that we were all waiting for from him. And hopefully this is a sign of things to come. You know, he feels like that he's now on a roll and he's going to be able to take this and move forward and play really well. That's what we were looking for out of him. Like, this is the kind of game we needed and we've been waiting for from him. And and we found it there. And, and so that's crucial because when Dean Lowry is just playing pretty much average football for the entire course of his career and Tyler Lancaster is basically just paying, playing below average football for the entire course of his career, we need somebody else dynamic enough to help Kenny Clark in the middle of that defensive line. And, and it seems like Kingsley Kiki could be that TJ Slayton has shown flashes of, of strong, strong rushing ability as well. So I feel like we've got some players there in place to kind of help uh, mitigate some of those issues that we had last year in the middle. And then we talked about the pass rush. I feel like Preston Smith has been playing really well this year and he got off to a pretty good start in this game. Uh, and then he got hurt. And I feel like he was kind of slowed down by that injury throughout the rest of the night. He was pretty much, you know, you, know, we, you didn't hear his name for the rest of the night and just didn't notice him, uh, which I think was a byproduct of the injury. And then, and I felt like Rashawn Gary was really, really strong on Sunday. Uh, he, he just looked explosive. He brought a lot of pressure and, and he had that huge, huge sack where he threw the offensive lineman down onto Roethlisberger to get the sack about 600 pounds worth of, of, of man he moved to kind of get that sack. And, and that was huge. And he's just a, a physical specimen out there playing great football recently. So uh, if those guys can stay healthy, continue to play well, I think they'll, they're going to be in a good spot up front moving forward. We just have to continue to see those kind of consistent successes from those guys that are stepping up into those roles. Right. We're going to need these young guys on defense to step up quickly. And um, the first few weeks when our, our we couldn't generate any pressure whatsoever, um, we were playing really solid offensive lines. Obviously, the Saints have such a good O-line. The Lions, not so good, but they got Panay Sewell, who is a stud. And then uh, San Francisco has a great offensive line. But the Steelers, that was the first struggling offensive line we played, and it, it went pretty well, and we were in Ben's face pretty much the entire game. And next week we got Cincinnati with a struggling O-line, and then we got Chicago with a struggling O-line. So things kind of creep back toward average in the trenches, and luckily we're gonna we're on a roll here of a couple struggling offensive lines where the, the defensive line can really kind of hit their stride and look a lot better than they have early on in the season. Yeah, this Bengals offensive line is definitely not – one of the better ones that Green Bay will face this year for sure. So, you know, they're going to have a chance to kind of get pressure on the, on the quarterback and, and do some things that maybe that will help comp compensate for the fact that they've got so many injuries in the secondary. Right. Let's talk about this game. Let's just go for it. Um, we play the Bengals this Sunday in Cincinnati, right? In Cincinnati? Yes. Yes, in Cincinnati. Uh, the Bengals are 3-1. and one. Uh, Who saw that coming? I didn't. Uh, it's kind of crazy because I don't think of them as, you know, like a like a good like a good to great team, but three and one, that's that's a pretty solid record for them. Joe Burrow is playing well. Jamar Chase has been a stud at wide receiver. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough game, especially with all the injuries that we suffered on Sunday. So we're gonna need we're gonna need our best from the defense, and the offense is just gonna have to put it together and put a put together a consistent game, like we're like we're used to seeing them do. Yeah, with the Bengals, I mean, you mentioned it. Like nobody really thought that they'd be three and one. 
Um, but it's so early. This this weird league that we're in, the NFL. I mean, you know, it's just so bizarre. Some of the stuff that happens, especially early on, and things kind of start to even out as the season unfolds. But you know, three and one for the Bengals. I don't know if they're. I think they have to be worse than that record. I mean, they beat the Vikings in overtime. They lost to the Bears. They so those are you know two familiar teams, obviously in, for us in Green Bay. But they they also beat the Steelers and they beat the Jaguars on, in that Thursday night game just by a game winning field goal. So they easily could be zero and four, or they could be four and zero. Like it's just it's bizarre. But I I definitely think they're worse than that three and one record. It was nice to have them go out and beat Minnesota week one, but I'm not scared of this team. I do think that they have a lot of good weapons on offense that might be concerning for us especially like we talked about Jair probably almost certainly won't play this week so we have to kind of get by with Stokes and Yidem and whoever else is out there but Shannon Sullivan will be out there and you know one thing I think we could possibly do is to have this might be difficult it might be a challenge but I think if we were able if we were able to move uh, Darnell Savage into the slot which he did a lot in college like I think if we can move him into the slot, it would mitigate some of the issues. But then again, we're going to be playing Henry Black at safety or, you know, like we just we're going to have a hole somewhere. But if we were if we were able to put Darnell Slap, Savage in the slot, maybe move Chan into the outside. I don't know. That's just an idea. But like there's definitely some things they could do to help uh, move things around and, and kind of put them in a better position. But uh, that's one of the things that they're going to have to do. It's going to be a challenge because they've got a lot of talent. Uh, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, those are just guys that they've got uh, that are really talented. So we'll see. I mean, it, it's going to be tough to stop that offense. They've got a good running back in Joe Mixon. He's dealing with an injury, but he's still a, a decent running back. So, you know, they're talented. Joe Burrow's a, a talented young quarterback. Uh, their defense is is the one thing that we'll talk about. But, uh, yeah, in terms of stopping their offense, I think we've got a good chance to do it. So we'll see what happens. Uh I think we're going to take our lumps in the passing game, that's for sure. Jamar Chase has been a stud. Joe Burrow, that connection has been pretty pretty unstoppable through the season so far. And obviously looking at our looking at looking at our defensive backfield, I don't know if we're going to be able to consistently stop them. But this team likes to run the ball. They really do. It's an extension, not an extension, but it's similar to our offense. Zach Taylor coached with Matt LaFleur in Los Angeles. So uh, we were familiar with that type of offense. Actually, it's a kind of a Los Angeles re- reunion with Joe Barry. Joe Barry, Matt LaFleur, Zach Taylor, pretty strange. Um, I think I think our best bet here is to control the run game because they've, like I said, they got a pretty bad offensive line. So if we can get our defensive line to control the run game, keep Joe Mixon contained, uh, we can kind of hopefully control the game flow and uh, disrupt disrupt what they want to do script-wise. And then I think Joe Barry's going to have to throw a lot of things at Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is a great quarterback so far. He's a really He looks like he knows what he's doing, but uh, I think the easiest way to beat a young quarterback is just to try and confuse him. And hopefully, I'm I, the jury's still out on Joe Barry, but hopefully he can uh, he can dig in the back pocket and throw something at Joe Burrow to to move him off his spot a little bit. Well, speaking of moving off his spot, I mean the first thing I think of when you're talking about a rookie quarterback is to try and get pressure on him. 
that's the, to me, that's the best option. I don't think we should try to, you know, do anything too crazy in terms of, you know, going into a lot of different dime or nickel coverages, which we'll do anyway. But I think if we're going to do that, we should focus on pressuring the quarterback as opposed to dialing up, you know, different zones to, to, to help mitigate the passing game. I, I think the best way to do it is to try to use Rashawn Gary. Like we, we used him in that Rover spot quite a bit last game too, which was nice. Like I feel like he was able to really pin his ears back and just run and then try to drive through the center at that spot and, and just be really creative with how they use him. Like we usually do with Z. I feel like we can do some of those things, let Preston hopefully be healthy and then have him kind of do his thing really well, helping to stop the run and also putting great pressure on the quarterback. Like, I think we can get that job done. I think Kenny Clark is going to be a huge part of that. We've got a lot of guys who are going to have to kind of step into those roles. And and if we're going to do it, you know, this offensive line, I've talked about it. It's not very good in, in Cincinnati. They've they've got, you know, a de facto rookie left tackle with Jonah Williams, who he he's kind of just joined the team this year after last year being injured for the full season, missing his rookie year. So uh, there is a lot of different holes on that offensive line that, we faced some good ones, you know, these past in some of these games, we faced some really good lines with the saints. Obviously that was a tough matchup. The lions have one of the better O lines in the game. Um, and the Steelers have a pretty decent O line with some veterans as well. So, uh, you know, now we're looking at just trying to take advantage of maybe the weakness of their offense. And, and to me, we have to kind of pressure the quarterback in order to, uh, kind of help avoid, getting scored on a lot and I I think that's the best way to do it how do you think our offense will fare against their defense bro to me like you look at that defense and they don't have a ton of great players Jesse Bates the safety obviously is the one that pops out but their front is pretty you know their front is pretty good but it's nothing special right I, I feel like there's not in their cornerback their cornerback room isn't extremely talented either so I feel like Rogers should be able to have success I don't think he'll have to worry as much about any in terms of stylistically, I don't think the pressures will be as exotic, and I don't think the disguises will be as exotic as well. I think he'll have a little bit more straightforward stuff to kind of examine and, and, and manage through, which could be helpful for him. And I think in terms of Devontae, there's not there's obviously not like a, a guy who's going to stay and stick with him there in, in that secondary. So, you know, maybe he'll see a little bit more one-on-one. I doubt it, but he'll at least he'll have – Nobody like a Jalen Ramsey or, or anybody too spectacular to have to deal with in addition to the double team. If it's just a double team, he can beat those, you know. So I feel like Rodgers and him will be able to have success. Same thing with those other guys. I think Randall Cobb will continue to do well. MVS obviously is out for the next few games. Um, but Lazard, I think this is a good chance for him to play well. They'll do some things in the passing game. I think Aaron Jones will get involved. They're going to have to do some of those things. Be creative like, like Matt LaFleur always is continue to have a presence on the sideline like he always does as, as the great head coach of this football team. And, and he's just going to have to be creative with the game plan, especially the stuff on script early to get out ahead um, and hopefully get a lead early and stick to it. Yeah, this is a this is a very young defense. We got a veteran coach, veteran quarterback, obviously two veteran receivers. Uh, this should be this should be business as usual for the for the Packers if they can just go to Ohio, take care of their business, and then come back home, or go back to Chicago. Actually, so this is a game I think we should win, and I'm hoping that we do. Uh, before we close this out, Brown, why don't we take a look at the NFC playoff picture? It's only Week Four, but it's always fun to look at this. Look at what's going on around the league. Um, so yes, yeah, so, and the, let's also the Arizona Cardinals. Let's let's look at the MVP Sorry. race as well while we're at it. 
All right. No, I don't want to look at the MVP race because it's like Derek Carr right now. Um, I know. I'm kidding because like every year, <laughs> Russell Wilson comes out in the first eight weeks and everybody yeah, thinks he's Russell the MVP yeah. and then Rodgers wins it. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, I was just kidding. <laughs> okay. So we got the we the only undefeated team in the in the NFC. There's only two in the NFL. Well, for now, one of them's playing on TV right now. Um, but the only undefeated team in the NFC is the Arizona Cardinals, who are 4-0 impressive victory over LA. Then we've got the Dallas Cowboys in the number two seed, surprisingly three and one record leading the NFC East, NFC least as some might call them. Uh, the three seed is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who just barely, just barely beat the new England Patriots on Sunday night. They're three and one. And then we are currently the four seed. Don't know why I don't really care. It's week four, but uh, at three and one as well. And then the wild cards are LA at three and one. The sixth seed is the Panthers at three and one. And then the seventh seed is the Washington football team at two and two. Seventh seed, so stupid, man. It's so stupid. Like, oh my God, the Bears were the seventh seed last year. They suck. The football team, they're going to make the playoffs. They suck. Ugh, such a disgrace. Um, but anyways, what are your thoughts on the NFC right now? How do you think we? How do you think we fare in these playoffs? Well, I mean, I'm not going to like look at the specific matchups just because it's so early, but like when you look at the the landscape of the NFC, I think the Cardinals are definitely a team that has really put it all together this year just in terms of how dynamic their offense is, the weapons they have, um and Kyler Murray kind of coming into his own a little bit. And then the addition of JJ Watt to that defense and and Chandler Jones still being a, a dynamic pass rusher. They've just got a, a really good defense with Buda Baker in there and Byron Murphy at corner. They really do have a good defense. The athletic linebackers, Isaiah Simmons in there. They have a dynamic defense. They have a good roster. Um, we'll see how long they continue to play well like this. Some teams come out hot, and it's you know they beat divisional opponents. They're going to have tough matchups throughout the year. They're going to lose some games for sure. Um, you know, we'll see how for real they really are. They did, did beat the Rams, you know, that you got to give them credit because the Rams just beat the Bucks, And just like, you know, these, these teams, they lose games, they win games. It's hard to tell who's going to be better in the end, but, um, just like new Orleans, you know, they just lost to the giants. They beat us by 35 week one. And we just beat the Pittsburgh Steelers who just beat the Buffalo bills. Like it's just, a, it's yeah. so the parody in this league is just, it's phenomenal. It's insane. You never know what's going to really uh, – what really means anything. You don't know what's true and what's not. So, uh, the, I, Dude, the NFL is so stupid the first, like, month of the season. Like, yeah. <laughs> the Cardinals, they beat the Rams. They beat the Bucks. They almost lost to the Patriots. The Patriots, they lost to the, the – the, 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 I don't even know. But that's what it is, man. That's what it is. When power rankings, the media, they just got to – they have to pump content out. And a lot of it – what we're doing right now. We're, <laughs> we're doing it right now. Um, you just got to look at these stupid little things. But, yeah, the Cardinals, we play them Thursday night on October 28th, I think. Um, that's That's looking like the scariest game left on our schedule right now. Um, obviously the Rams, I think they're a tad bit overrated. Matthew Stafford. I'm sick of the Matthew Stafford man, love, man. I mean, he's a great quarterback, obviously, but people acting like he's Joe Montana. He had Calvin Johnson for how many years? Jeez. He, he wasn't like his career wasn't wasted. He, he, he played a part in that too. I don't know. No. Uh, yeah. It's a great I agree. system. I agree. Right. Great like, system I there in LA. Yeah. Yeah. They've got a good roster. He's got a lot to work with there. Um, but you know, they've lost a game now and 
We'll see how they rebound. But, I mean, to me, you look at the NFC, I think the Cardinals will be in the mix, but they're in a really, really tough division. So, like, you kind of have to take your pick out of that division. Like, do you like Seattle with, with the quarterback there, Russell Wilson obviously being a good player? Or, or do you like Kyler Murray and the Cardinals? Or do the Niners, are they just too injury-ridden? Are, are they too young in different spots? Is, is Jimmy Garoppolo just not good enough? Or is their defense, you know, willing to overcompensate for all that? And then obviously in that division, you've still got the Rams who are extremely talented and very good, and, and they have a good quarterback now. Like, so who are you picking out of that division? Because they're not all going to make it, right? Who's the odd man out? and, and who, Or the multiple teams that won't make it, right? So that's a tough division, but I always say this every single year. You look at the divisions in the NFL, that division, they're going to beat each other up. Those teams will beat each other. And then the NFC East is a bunch of garbage teams in the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys look pretty good, but those teams always beat each other as well. And then you look at that NFC South, and it's the Bucks, but it's also the Falcons always give those teams a run for their money with the scoring that they often do. The Saints – they just had a bad game, but they'll get back on track, and, and they've got a great head coach and a great system. And then the Panthers, they're 3-1. and one. Like Those those teams are tied, and they're going to beat each other up. And But you look at the NFC North, and it's really Green Bay and, and nobody else. The Vikings are 1-3. and three. The Bears are 2-2, two and two, but their quarterback situation, as usual, we say this every year, is, is just like who knows what's going on there. And then the Lions are 0-4, and, and they're obviously not going to do anything this year. So, uh, it's <laughs> The really, poor Detroit Lions, man. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about them, but like they're, they're just so sad. And so now Green Bay is in a position where every single year they've got a chance to get that one seed because – they're really, truly always the best team in that division when they've got Aaron Rodgers healthy, and nobody's going to contest them for that, unlike these other divisions where there's competition, there's there's firepower, there's really exciting matchups, these these grueling, grueling games between each other where they're beating each other up, and it's just really tough to overcome losses like that. Green Bay's got really a smooth ride to the playoffs just by winning their division, unlike those other teams, so... They've got a great chance of getting the one seed, but those other teams like the Rams, the Bucks, those are all they're all going to be in the mix. The Cardinals will be in the mix. Those are the those are the teams that Green Bay is going to have to contend with. And so far, they've done a good job at beating some of these good teams. Like they they went out and beat the Steelers, and I feel like they can moving forward go out and try to beat some of these other teams that they'll face. Uh, the Bengals are three and one, and if they're going to have to go out and beat them, they beat the Niners, who are always a tough test. So let's keep it up and let's keep winning. Right, and the the Cardinals game, as of right now, looks like the most important game on our schedule because we do not play the Cowboys, we don't play the Rams, don't play the Bucks. Um, it If you would have told me after week one that we're still in play for the one seed, because I don't know, in the back of my mind after week one, it's like, okay, we're not going to get the one seed this year, but you know, we can still get a two, three seed. It doesn't even matter because there's only one bye week anymore, but um we're still definitely in play. The Cardinals are four and zero, but they're you know they're a make a made field goal away from Minnesota of being three and one. The Bucks are a made field goal away from being two and two. Why did the Patriots go? Why didn't they go for it on that fourth and three? Nah, I'm not going to get started on that. That was um, ridiculous. That was so ridiculous. Bill, Bill, what are you doing? Oh my god. Um, he just wanted to help his friend out. I guess so. Um, but yeah, this is a real tight division. You know, it's it's not as not as how do I put this? Not as top heavy as it used to be. The NFC used to be like far and away the best conference, but now it's kind of it's kind of even out between the between the two AFC and NFC. And you know, it's still only week four. We really don't know who's good. Some of these teams could fall off completely. 
like the Cardinals, maybe they've, you know, Kyler looks like the MVP, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if they kind of lost a few games here coming up. So, uh, any it's no one knows. That's why we love the NFL because no one knows any given Sunday things change every week. And that's what makes football so exciting. Um, let's wrap this up, Ron, this Sunday, we play the Bengals in Cincinnati. What do you think? How do you think that game goes? Well, to me, you, you look at an X factor potential guy. I think it's gotta be Eric Stokes. Like if we're not going to have Jair, he's going to really have to step up and be that shutdown corner because a teams are going to target him as usual. And B he's going to have to continue to step up and, and not allow those guys to catch the football. And when he does, you know, that's going to be, it's going to be an issue. He has to control the, you know, control the deep areas of the field and not be too passive. I felt like you mentioned it a little bit. He was a little bit passive against the Steelers, but when he was aggressive, he made plays. And it, I don't know if it has something to do with the fact that he's been called for some penalties this year with the, and he's like kind of scared to get called for penalties, even though some of them aren't very, you know, aren't very egregious definitely and there could have been not no calls but he, he has to be the aggressive version of himself that we saw Jair kind of blossom into uh in his rookie year I think this is a great opportunity for him to go against a receiving core like the Rams had when Jair had his breakout game Robert Woods Cooper Cup Brandon Cooks at the time and he was just shutting down all of those guys every single time somebody threw the ball their way and when you go into face a, a, a receiving core like the, the Bengals have with, we mentioned Tyler Boyd, who will play in the slot, and Jamar Chase, who will play on the outside. Whoever he matches up against, it'll be a great way for him to kind of kind of blossom into the star that he could and looks like he could become. Uh, this is a great chance for him to do so. Uh, and, and if he can kind of shut down at least one side of the field or one of those guys that we're going to have to worry about in the passing game, it'll be a great, great start to his young career. And it'll be a great way for the Packers to win this football game. So I'm going to go with Green Bay winning. Uh, I'll say by a score of 34 to 17. 34 to 17, Packers win. Yeah, Eric Stokes. He could be the reason that they win. Could also be the reason that they lose this game. Um, I'm hoping that we just, hopefully, we freaking take the ball if we win the coin toss. Oh my God, we didn't even talk about that. Jesus, I hope I, I hope was they surprised. Do that. I was surprised when they did not do that. And I know. Yeah. I read the tweet. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Aaron, yeah. didn't he talk about that? Whatever. He did. Um, I don't know. Maybe it had something to do with the stylistic matchup of the Steelers. But to me, that's – of course, the Steelers went out and scored right away, and now we're playing from behind. Yeah, of course they did. Oh, my God. Did you see the stat? Like, midweek, it was like it's been 10, 11 games since the Steelers' offense has scored in the first quarter. I was like, oh. They're going <laughs> to – the Packers are going to allow some points in the first quarter. First fucking drive, dude. Oh, my God. It was just um, like – it's just exactly how we thought it would play out, right? Like, yeah. I mean, just take the ball. I, at this point, just I've Just take I've, the I've ball. Abandoned I've abandoned all of the – every single thing. I've convinced myself that for this team right now, we have to get out ahead because we just – we need to get our lead and then be able to run the ball marry it with the play action, and then just score that way. We can't be doing this spread out offense and playing from behind. We just not built for that for some reason. Whether I don't Especially know why. The shape our defense is in, man, right now. Like we why would we want to put them on the field to open the game? Why? Like that's put your best unit put, out there. Yeah, put your best unit out there, man. Come on. So hopefully they win that coin toss. They put the offense out there. And uh, I, I'm hoping they just control this game. I don't. I'm not expecting too many points. I'm going to go with 31 to 21. 
That'd be a good win against Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow and Aaron, I think they're going to have a nice nice exchange after the game. They feel like they'd be friends, right? Yeah. Sounds like your X factor is the coin toss, but that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> man, they got to win that coin toss this week. They got to, bro. Where's Tim Boyle when you need him, man? Where's Tim Boyle? <laughs> yeah, what was he, like 12-0? and 0? Jesus. Yeah. Nah, that was crazy. All right, that's going to do it. Anything else you want to add, bro? Sorry, I had myself muted. Uh, yeah, look, I just definitely think that in order to win the Super Bowl, we need Jair and we need Zadarius and we need these guys back healthy. I'm just hoping uh, that's t- to me, really, everything's kind of on hold until we get this update uh, from Matt LaFleur on Wednesday regarding Jair's situation. Um, you know, we're all hoping it's not a season ending thing, because if it is, it's going to be really tough. It's going to be really tough. So it's hard to have much excitement about the win and stuff like that when we've got this kind of you know our season potentially hanging in the balance with whatever Jair is kind of dealing with so hopefully it's a short-term thing and we have him back sooner rather than later because he is the key to a lot of what we want to get done in this season so uh, with that everybody go pack go thanks for listening fingers crossed on Jair Wednesday I'm gonna have nightmares Tuesday night Uh, fingers crossed hope he's okay Best case scenario is what I'm hoping for there. Uh, season ending, that would just be – yeah, I think that that really might be the defensive equivalent of Rodgers being out for the year because, God, we just cannot afford that. But uh, that's going to do it. Fingers crossed for Jair. Keep him in your thoughts and prayers. Uh, thank you so much for listening if you're still listening. Please subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you want to listen. We're there. Share it with your friends and family. Please leave a like. Leave a comment. Tell us if you enjoyed it. Review it on iTunes. Review it on Spotify, please. We could. It really helps the uh, the growth of the pod. And uh, we'll be back next week. Hopefully, we're trying to put these out earlier in the week. This is going to go out on Tuesday. Uh, we'll be back next Tuesday, hopefully. Uh, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.